0: Beyond Culture, the podcast that attempts to bridge the gap between culture and politics. I'm Ivan, your host, and I'm here with my co-host, Abel. Today, we'll be talking about Justin Trudeau. All right.
1: Yeah, so today we'll talk about Justin Trudeau and his time in office as the Prime Minister of Canada. So uh, uh, as most of you know, Justin Trudeau is the son of uh, pierre Elliott Trudeau, the 15th prime minister of canada yeah. so
0: an election was uh, in 2015 that's we were going into a grade 12 a grade, good 11 grade 12 yeah that was one of grade 12 yeah was... grade 12 i think for me first thing that came to mind because i wasn't paying that much attention to it but you know at first sight, it was just the fact that he was pierre eliot trudeau's son you know when you grew up in a Francophone school, like all the way from elementary, middle school, and then high school, you're always kind of taught that you know when you have like the way we treat French prime ministers, it's, uh, it's like on another level because especially Pierre Trudeau, he's the one that really so so solidified bilingualism. Bilingualism, I don't even know how to say it. Yeah, but uh but yeah, so you always kind of have that respect for presidential says him or laurier or. yeah for
1: sure like being the son of a prime minister you know it just gives you that uh, clout you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, yeah for me like i wasn't paying much attention to canadian politics at, at the time but yeah. my mom was actually following the uh, elections mm-hmm. because like uh, uh, immigration was a big Thing for her, so yeah, for and sure. immigration was like one of the biggest issues uh, in that in that election. So, yeah, I just knew uh, that it was this young guy with you know the master of optics and all that <laughs> against this uh, old, not that old not but that. still older guy with mm-hmm. uh, you know. So that was that was that was it for me back then. I didn't <laughs> really pay too much attention.
0: But yeah, even the, so the conditions for him to even become prime minister. So I guess you have in the, 20, the 2011 election, you have Stephen Harper beca- forming the majority in the government, and then you have uh, Thomas Mulcair uh, being the official opposition, and then yeah. you have the Liberals being the third party. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know how to say this guy's last name, but Michael, whatever his last name is, he was the leader of the Liberal Party at the time of that mm-hmm. election and he he didn't even win he didn't win his mpc mm-hmm. at all so they the liberals were already so he resigned as as leader yeah. and that kind of gave the window in for justin trudeau
1: yeah yeah who's been uh in parliament since 2008 mm-hmm. uh, yeah so he, naturally he served in opposition to harper and uh well yeah, so that, that was in twenty thirteen that he became the leader of uh, of uh, the Liberal Party, indeed. Yeah, um, yeah, it was quite the election for him, especially uh, coming from since the Liberals weren't even the uh, official opposition party in in the Parliament. So they they jumped they jumped from being the third party to to uh, yeah, they won having the majority. I
0: think that. That seat gain was probably one of the largest in history of all of all of any, any party per se. And what for those who don't know how uh, like the election works is in Canada, you elect MPs and whichever so to be the majority, at one point during Stephen Harper's time it was the, the total number of uh, seats in the House of Commons was around 300, 303 or so. Yeah, three hundred and three, and then moving on to when Justin Trudeau came into place, it became three hundred and thirty-eight because they completely reformed the the region. So to have a majority, you need to have one seventy, and the Trudeau uh Liberals they got like one hundred and eighty-four. So one of the biggest seat gains and probably all all of history. Like they they literally sweep sweep Canada. They took everywhere except for saskatchewan and i think it was alberta
1: yeah it was yeah it was definitely a big win for them especially and what was surprising was the fact that um just a few months before the election so like in september around september uh what happened was that like the the liberal party wasn't in the polls they weren't doing that good well they're not doing bad either it's just that Two out of three Canadians, I believe at the time, were against Harper, mm-hmm. and uh, so. But the the vote for those who disapprove Harper was split between the the NTPs and the Liberals. So there was just it was just all even. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of surprising that they they were able to make that big jump and just
0: yeah, and that's and that big jump kind of happened towards the end of the election. So even till see so kind of get into October, which is a the month of the actual polling, I mean, for like people going to the polls, so even there at that point they were kind of still neck and neck in terms of polls, and then towards the final, I don't know, few weeks the Liberals took over. So even his election, it was it was definitely not incredibly smooth sailing all the way to the top, but you you do he did start with a big jumpstart being Pierre Trudeau's son, but I think he definitely put in the work to. To be where he's at right now and to win the election.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, um, well, let's talk about his policies and his key policies, whether uh, campaign their campaign uh, promises or whatever he's been trying to focus on as as the prime minister.
0: Yeah, because uh, even so, like the conversation I'd say that I'd have about Justin Trudeau has most of them has have been pretty surface levels like you'll ask somebody like you'll just talk hey man they'll be like man what do you think about Justin Trudeau they'll be like they either they'll either say like man that guy's that guy's terrible man um, and you'd be like why is he terrible man you didn't see the um, that India trip he's like what and you'd be like what happened in the India trip man you know what happened in the <laughs> India yeah, yeah. trip
1: and and even a lot of support that he gets it's just for the surface level things such mm-hmm. as the you know going to the uh you know the gay parade or whatever you know he like he is one of those politicians who you you a lot of people will hate him or love him just because of like surface level things Mm -hmm. it's not just it's not really about the policies it'll just be about how Mm -hmm. like how he uh he's his, he's portrayed in the media you know
0: yeah, he's definitely out. If say one thing about Justin Trudeau, he is the master of optics. He knows, he knows where to be, where to be, and make sure the cameras are on so that he looks, that he looks good. And I think that has served them well to some point. But also, you can see in moments where like the camera's on, and it's, it's not something you want to be on camera. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, now we, can, I guess we could get into the economy so i think justin trudeau's one of his main thing was trying to balance um uh, balance the budget by 2019 so his uh, i don't as you famously will know if you followed the election his um Marno oh and justin trudeau were saying that they would keep a modest deficit within for the first two two three years a modest deficit of 10 million dollars and then by at 2019 there would be There'd be in a one billion surplus, and as you can see, this (laughs) it's not close. (laughs) It has it has it hasn't happened, and one of the main things that the the Trudeau government has done to kind of counter uh, the very factual narrative that that they have grown the deficit is that you have they have to look at the people should look at two things the the debt to GDP ratio, which is an indicator of of how capable the country is of being able to pay off those debts and also look at the um, the their triple a rating so basically those are the 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 firms that finance these these loans that's basically the rating you get to see whether you're you might be amounting debt but you also your economy is growing so you're able to pay off those debts yeah yeah
1: yeah so that's definitely one of the things he can he can you can say uh, about his economy is that the the economy the Canadian economy so far is is doing quite well not not really good but uh it's growing you know at at a modest rate so um, Trudeau can say uh well we're we're spending a lot but at the same time we're growing the economy so mm-hmm. it's not as big of an issue as if we're in. Uh, in recession and uh we're just we're still spending this much money so uh, i think
0: that's where most of his his critics will go back at him and say you know but eventually you're going to be in recession yeah and once we're going to be in recession these programs that you have put in place will kind of suffer because let's look at how big the deficits were so initially coming in in 2015 they planned for 2016 2017 to have a a deficit running at 10, around 10 million and that doubled 10 billion. Yeah. 10 billion. And that doubled that I think around 19, 19, uh, 19 billion. Yeah. They got, they reached 19 billion. And then the next year again, 19 billion. Mm-hmm. So I think his, his, crit- his critics will look at it. It's like, man, you're not doing what you promised. And then lo- looking at 2019, he said there would be a, a surplus and there is no surplus. And, a lot of voters look at that as in, if he keeps putting these programs in place, eventually they'll shut down. And to in order to combat this huge, this huge debt, is it's also going to fall on the people to be taxed and etc. So I think it's a valid criticism, but also it's important to look at the programs he has put in place because you can never discount the need for the need for these uh, social programs that he has enacted. Such as the child benefit care,
1: yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so uh, yeah. Among his main policies is the the extended child benefits and uh, also the extended parental leave. Mm-hmm. You know, so well he and these things are well liked in Canada mm-hmm. for sure. It's not as if people don't like them. I don't, you know, and uh, yeah, so. I think he can can say that, uh, well, we've been running on deficits, but we're putting in place uh, programs and uh, the programs that are working for Canadians and that uh, Canadians actually like. But, uh, yeah, you you can always go back and say, well, you know, what happens when recession hits, you know? But one of the excuses I would say that he's – he's been given all the reason that his government says that they're spending so much money is that is saying that it, it is the spending that is stimulating the economy. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of, uh, you're invest investing in your economy in order to stimulate even grow.
0: Yeah. And you can look at the job numbers too. Like in April itself, I'm pretty sure it's a uh, historic, the number of job growth we had, it was, I think 106,000 jobs created. Yeah. And, Almost just over half of them being full-time and then the rest being part-time. So these are, in a sense, these are stable, stable jobs being created by the economy. Yeah, like
1: the economy is doing quite good, you know. So Mm -hmm. I think, I'm not sure, but I think the the number of jobs created so far is over a million jobs. Yeah. So, um, you know, he's got that going for him. Mm-hmm. for sure
0: and youth unemployment at 10.3 and mm-hmm. that's also a historic low since they started compiling the data around I think 1976 or so so yeah. I I think in terms of the economy right now as it stands in terms yeah. of jobs and everything Canadians are happy but
1: yeah they are happy and
0: but that's the thing you can't you can only live in the present for for so long you always yeah. have people always looking long term and I think that's what conservatives really drill down to a long term this is not sustainable quote unquote yeah so I think it's so that's always interesting when you look at look at the economy because when you're you come into office people want results there and now and once you deliver those results sometimes the consequences aren't felt till let's say four years or whatever later so I think going into the next election that's definitely going to be one of the something he will he will definitely run on yeah, on the strong yeah. having a strong economy yeah. but at the same downside the conservative will run on you the might have the deficit so yeah
1: and you you're seeing this already with a bunch of uh MPs who are up for election mm-hmm. they uh they want to run on the economy because that's the the major upside for 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 them since like uh, I think the plan was, I think, uh, a few years ago when the um uh, it, it was to run on climate, you know, so yeah. on climate change and the whatever whatever uh th- they've been doing on on, on that front. Mm-hmm. But s- s- so far, Canadians do care about the climate, but it's mm-hmm. not it's not the big a big the biggest issue, you know, it's not yeah. as big as uh, the economy. So, uh, yeah, that's why I think. It's going to be the economy for the liberals for sure, and the conservatives will point at the the, the deficits. Uh,
0: yeah. Uh, if if you guys are hearing noises because you're moving in your chair, I just realized your chair is a thing that's going back and forth. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: So, you know, uh, you know that <laughs> student budget. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: I guess I guess we'll we'll take a break and we'll be right back. All right, and we're back. We're back from the break. <laughs>
1: All right. Yeah. So, uh, other policies. Um, one of th- like the first thing that uh, Justin Trudeau did that when he became prime minister was having a gender balance cabinet. So uh, when he was asked about the reason why he chose uh, to have a fifty-fifty cabinet divided between male and females, he said it's because it's twenty
0: fifteen. Yes, sir, man yeah. So uh and I don't know I don't I don't know why there's so many haters when he said that man he's just he's stating facts. It, w- it was twenty fifteen when he you know? said it. <laughs> the year <laughs> before
1: was twenty fourteen, you know. <laughs> you can't go in twenty sixteen without a
0: gender balanced cabinet,
1: you know. It's impossible. Yeah, yeah. But I'll,
0: I knew even in his in his short words, like I guess we all we all get what he's trying to say, but I think everybody would have appreciated more details <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah well
1: you know politicians so yeah well but the thing is that uh policy was was really well received between Canadians so like uh 70 percent of uh, Canadians uh were approved of the policies and 17 disapproved and 13 were uh, unsure that's according to uh, a
0: survey by a uh, Angus Street. And I think Justin Trudeau always ran on being he always says like, I'm a feminist, I'm a feminist. So I it's definitely he he definitely has to put his money where his mouth is, as in what his money, the government's money, so technically <laughs> our money. <laughs> but he has he has pledged a hundred million to like women's program for over the next five years. Mm-hmm. And I think he's working on some some more funding uh for women's programs. So I he he's definitely because he as, as he as he exclaimed like there needs to be let's say a wage or wage that's you know equal for men and women yeah. that's what he's going for i'm not saying that i believe there isn't or there's not <laughs> we're not going <laughs> to get into that today but uh but I, I do feel like on on that uh running on that he has delivered definitely for women yeah well
1: um there are critics you know feminist critics of uh his policies they would say that he hasn't gone far enough, far enough. so mm-hmm. like uh the most i would say the one of the most popular criticism is the issue with the uh, indigenous women because yeah. you always hear about indigenous women disappearing and every like other day you know so um, a lot of people say that he hasn't done enough on that front so that's also a uh, feminist issue yeah
0: Yeah, for sure, and even on the um, indigenous women running, he's like he officially launched the public inquiry into the the missing. He he lost a yeah. He launched a public inquiry into the missing indigenous women, and uh, obviously this it's not a it's not a, a huge thing in terms of really, um, you know, helping these families that have lost those women. But I think it's a step forward as in. You go from a point where nobody's paying attention to it to now resources are putting, are getting put towards that. So, I think there's definitely there's there's a ways to go in terms of remedying uh what's going on. But uh, I think a public inquiry is a start for sure.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I think we'll hear a lot more about that in the elections, especially coming from the N, uh NDPs. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, another issue was uh, another policy that is implemented is the legalization of marijuana.
0: Marijuana. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I don't know for when it comes to marijuana, you know, uh, the words of the wise Stephen A. Smith: <laughs> Stay off the weed. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I've never, I've never smoked weed in my life, and I, I, I. I to be honest I didn't really I don't really care much for people that have to that have smoking weed it's not really I wasn't opposed to this to this and I think a lot of us aren't really opposed per se to people smoking weed I think it was it's maybe the effects of it as in maybe impaired driving or etc but I do think he, he ran on that and the young people came out to vote for him on that and he delivered yeah he sure. did
1: deliver and well it was well, the thing is, um, I, w- I am for the legalization of cannabis. I think it's just absurd to have people going to- in prison for smoking weed and ruining lives of young people and even older people who just smoke weed, you know, when we have uh, substances such as alcohol and other things that are much more dangerous, mm-hmm. you know. So um, that was a good thing, although at the beginning there was some... Hiccups in terms of the logistics of it all, and
0: there, like there was in terms also of uh, cannabis stores uh, opening up. I think there was this kind of a miscommunication there, and even the release of uh, the people receiving pardons for drug possession charges. Like, yeah, it hasn't been really clear cut, and it's not until the government release uh, well, they're trying to release bill. C ninety three, which would waive the fee for a part, so even to receive a pardon for a possession for drug possession charges, like small ones, you would have to pay the fee, and also there's a huge there's a huge waiting time. So yep. the B ninety three is trying to do is cut down that waiting time, and I think it's a step in the right to work direction when you talk about just the decriminalization of of weed itself. You know, a lot of people are in, are in jail for uh, small charges, and I think. I definitely think they should be, it should be out of jail. It's not. Yeah, it's, yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> there's much more worse things to be in jail for. Yeah, <laughs> than and than carrying weed.
1: Yeah. So and um, yeah. Another issue is uh the Syrian refugee crisis.
0: Yeah, even with, with when it came to the Syrian refugee crisis, I said when I, starting from even all the way up down to 2011, it's been it's always in terms of ongoing ongoing issue so going into the election of 2015 i i think that was that was one of the hot topics that needed to be addressed for sure
1: yes well what Trudeau wanted to do was uh he promised to increase the number of uh, refugees that were going to be welcomed in Canada i think from uh, somewhere between 10,000 to 25,000 25, yeah. in the in his first year and he he, he did that but there's also there's always criticism the uh one of the criticism was that they didn't plan accordingly so it's not it's not about the numbers of refugees that he welcomed but mostly about the how it was handled the logistics and uh because the for some refugees the wait time was long and uh what the government was doing was they were renting a few like apartments and uh, motels and whatnot whatever whatever they can to to be able to to accommodate the refugees who are going to arrive but what would happen is the refugee will stay on on the wait list for a while and Mm -hmm. then in the meantime the government will still be paying for the rent of uh, say the the apartment when the refugee didn't come in for like three four months Mm -hmm. you know so there's there was that like uh and even logistics so, for sure
0: yeah even the logistics of even them finding a job because mostly it would obviously be the for a lot of these families is the male that's going to go to work and from the there's been a census like from 2016 that was just released about the employment numbers for males and for the for the males and the families it's like that 55 of, percent oh. of them are actually employed, employed? so are employed so oh. there is definitely um it, it was a great thing to even have them come in the country but now that they're in the country I think it, it was also yeah
1: you, you have to integrate them exactly quickly enough yeah there was also an issue about the kids who are going to school so a lot of them were just speaking Arabic and you had a bunch of schools that they were attending that didn't even have uh, someone who can speak Arabic someone who can translate what, what the teacher is saying you know so yeah that was that was that was an issue for sure well
0: and i do commend the fact that because he did pull out of the um, of uh taking part in airstrikes in syria yeah which i i command because it's not that he completely went aw- in terms of like turned a blind eye on the region he did decide that you know we're gonna give aid to the country in terms of humanitarian aid and yeah. bringing in I'm not sure if it was the most, but I think it was the most number of refugees into the country. So I think that was a, that was a very important thing to do if you're definitely gonna pull out in terms of military action in Syria.
1: Yeah. Well, another thing, um, immigration, in on the immigration debate was uh, like the citizenship reform that he did. So he, uh, well, what he did was uh, was that uh, terrorists who uh, identified that they want to fight for say ISIS or another group mm-hmm. overseas could not have their citizenship stripped away from them after uh, coming back so um, yeah that was, that was definitely controversial I remember in the debates with uh, Stephen Harper when he was uh, I think Justin Trudeau had that famous line a Canadian is a Canadian is a Canadian <laughs> you know so yeah that was that was definitely controversial and it still is i we often have uh, conversations about, about yeah. this i remember just uh like two weeks ago we we're in a restaurant
0: i'm i'm we're, we're comes, talking about this <laughs> when it comes to that situation i'm always i'm always on the board of you simply because i always felt that when the when a citizen goes over and decides to commit treason against his country and the country in where they're committing treason they've committed that reason let's say in this case we're talking about syria somebody joining isis and going to fight for isis i think in terms of the pecking order in in world where, where they're being criminalized i do feel like the option the priority should come to the syrian government first because they they came in t- effectively came into your country took over and killed your civilians so i do th- so i'm always of the mind that i'm always always of the mind that the Syrian the Syrian government, I know whatever criticism you want to give about them, and the Syrian people deserve to see justice yeah. in front of their eyes, you know, because yeah, their the home that was taken. Syria
1: in. is that so the government is not really on the side of the people, you know. Most mm-hmm. of the killings, like a lot of the killings carried out on the civilians, is coming from the government. So if you're looking for justice, you're not gonna bring that that terrorist uh in the uh, like in the hands of the government let's say because it's not the government is not really representing the people at this at this moment in time but i understand your point. but I, I i still think that if a canadian became a terrorist and went to fight overseas for isis or another group that canadian should be brought back in canada as a canadian and prosecuted for his or her crimes as a canadian and then, if there are international crimes or whatever, you can you, you can put them in front of uh, the international community and uh, prosecute them for those crimes. But they're still a Canadian, and they should be prosecuted as a Canadian. I I, I think they,
0: I think that I don't mind them obviously being prosecuted as a Canadian, but I think in in terms of international crimes, that comes first because I think the people need when you when you go overseas and you you know, displaced people from their own house as yeah. much as you want to say, like it is, it is a fact that Syrian government has carried out, you know, atrocities in within its borders. But I do think there's in terms of the people seeing, seeing justice, whether it's the international community first or whatnot, I do think they're still Canadians, but I, I think just for the, just for the people, just for the people there, you know, I think they deserve to see whatever, whatever justice might look like firsthand. Yeah. I think they still deserve to see that because I yeah, don't think they, yeah, they're sure. not there's no there's, they don't have any love for these for, for these ISIS fighters that came to their home yeah. and displaced them so obviously don't revoke their Canadian citizenship but um yeah I think Canadian I think in terms of just quality of just their, their overall quality of what, like an imprisonment or whatever I do feel that the Syrian government would be more suited and giving them what the people would, would rather see than them just because for, for a lot of people, it'd just be like, okay, he just came into Syria, took over, that uh, just displaced me, and just ran back home to mm-hmm. the Kush Canadian life. Obviously, they're not coming back to Canada and they're not going to be living, you know, in a mansion or anything. But I think, in terms of international laws, come first, and then you bring. And then you could prosecute them as Canadians. Whatever, whatever, yeah, whatever happens, happens
1: for those crimes, for war crimes, I think the uh, International Court of Justice is probably better suited for yeah. those crimes. Although, you know, Western countries don't give a lot of power to uh, to the International Court of Justice, especially the United States. Mm-hmm. They don't recognize, they don't even recognize it, and uh, they basically just give immunity to their soldiers who uh, carry out, you know, like war crimes, yeah. you know, overseas. So I'm not arguing for immunity. I, I think that I don't want them to have their citizenship stripped away. I don't think we, we should be in the business of stripping uh, the citizenship of uh, Canadians. But at the same time, I want them to be prosecuted within, to be prosecuted in Canada and to be prosecuted also in the uh, in front of the International Court of Justice for those crimes carried out overseas for sure.
0: Yeah, I think we can. Whether it's international community or the Canadian government, we can both agree we want them prosecuted. Period. Yeah, yeah. for sure. So I think because there seems to be I think from a lot of conservatives that oh Justin Trudeau like the the it's just bringing these guys back you know be effectively. Of exonerating them yeah, of yeah. everything they've done, and that's that's not what Justin. That's not what Justin Trudeau is doing. He's just, yeah. you know, basically holding up the constitution that these are these are these are people of these are Canadian people. Yeah, and you can't just revoke the Canadian citizenship, and them coming back. It's not like they're coming back and then throwing. They're going to be thrown onto the seat. They're mm-hmm. coming back to be prosecuted, and I think we could you could disagree or agree on where they should be prosecuted but i think you you can't deny the fact that at the end of the day uh, they're canadians
1: yeah at the end of it's it feels to me that it's a bit cowardly to when you have a canadian citizen who goes uh overseas and commits crime and the first thing you do as a canadian state you're like okay this guy is not part of our society because you know you have to accept that canadians can also commit terrible crimes and they have to be prosecuted you can't just say because this person was uh you know he went overseas therefore he cannot he cannot be a canadian you know i think it's kind of a, it is kind of avoiding facing the problem quite frankly so they, terrorists canadian terrorists have to be prosecuted that's my point point. and they don't you don't need to strip away their, their citizenship they need to be prosecuted in inside the the rule of law of Canada, and if there are international crimes, you know, war crimes, whatever, those those must be prosecuted by the International uh, Court of Justice. So,
0: mm-hmm. yeah, moving on. Or oh, moving on. We could actually address one of the one of the issues that I'm. It always it always gets me heated. It's a, I'm not sure if you know about the so Justin Trudeau put in place. Basically, it's a type of reform, but not really on how he appoints people to the canadian senate so for those who don't know where the canadian government is set up between the you have the house of commons which are elected official and you have canadian the uh, canadian senators, senators yeah. who aren't elected and they're appointed by the government uh appointed by the so let's say justin trudeau wants to appoint this this so-and-so person and then he he appoints them so what justin trudeau did is because in terms of because he wanted to fix because the Senate has become very partisan, you know, institution. So what he's done is he set up a, a type of committee, an independent committee, which through which people can apply to come to the, to be in the Senate. And then those recommendations that have come through the committee are sent to Justin Trudeau, and then he he appoints these people. And for me, I think that's a it's a very cosmetic cosmetic fix to the greater problem for me that these senators aren't appointed so basically elected. and i mean aren't elected mm-hmm. so basically they're in office till they're 75 years old or they've committed a crime and they don't answer they don't answer to, cons- to the constituents or anybody so yeah for me that was the that i think a lot of canadians throughout the years have always wanted to kind of see a type of reform in the canadian senate because It'd be, I think, it'd be much more effective to have a senator, let's say, serve six years, and then a, a six-year term, and then goes for re-election. And, yeah, so it, yeah. and if it has, and if they deliver it to the people, then they get re-elected. But I think, in terms of, because the Senate officially, they're quote unquote, they offer the second sober thought. That's the yeah. That's the that's the main message of the Senate. They. They go, they read through the legislation that's been passed in the House of Commons and then they read through it whether to pass it or not. Then, for any legislation or bill to be passed, it has to go through the House of Commons and the Senate. These are laws that Canadians have to live under after they've passed the House uh, and the Senate. So, I think since Canadians live under these laws, it should be uh, elected officials they and not have appointed. for sure.
1: Yeah, so so you'd like to move towards uh, more like towards a senate that's
0: elected yes because man i'm telling you if for me it's cause a lot of people i talk to them and i'm like i was just talking uh isa the uh, the other time and i'm just telling you man man these people aren't you realize they're not elected <laughs> they're, they're, they're not <laughs> elected they sit there for till they're 75 some people don't even live till they're 75 but till you're 75 that's talk about job security man that's some amazing job security yeah. i just feel like they're just, they should be they should answer to the Canadian people because if because uh, even with this uh, this uh, committee that Justin Trudeau has put in place, the senators that now sit in the Senate are under the they're branded as ISG, basically, uh, independent Senate group. But even though at the surface level that's what you see, I think they still vote within the Liberal Party line, regardless. So, this is really for me, it's a cosmetic fix, it doesn't really fix the fundamental issue that these senators aren't elected by the people so in terms of revelancy reverency to the people they don't they, they 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 still feel like there should be some type of reform and i think that should be an issue going into the next election of having either a referendum or something so that this is a top top issue because back when stephen harper was prime minister he tried to also reform the senate and have it have it a sort, have them be elected officials and serve like a term limit. Yeah. So that was, I think was I forgot what was the name of the bill, but basically it got to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court said that you would need five, uh, five out of uh, five out of the ten provinces to, to officially to to agree on this, and then you'd have the Senate, you would have to have the Senate to agree with it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that. Then after the issue kind of died down, but I I do think it needs to be brought back up because the. The, I repeat, these are not <laughs> elected officials, man. For me, that's just nuts. It's yeah, very yeah. nuts to think about having non-elected official determine, though your basically your way of life and and how you, yeah. Just there has to be a there has to be a I don't know I don't know if it's a hashtag that has to start, yeah. man. But it has to be a top issue going into the next election all right
1: yeah that, that, <laughs> that, it. that was a good rant i can
0: you go know. for 20 minutes but. yeah yeah well
1: i feel you <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so uh yeah moving on now we will uh, not move on this time. all right moving <laughs> on uh yeah yeah um uh so the broken promises and other fumbles combos all right so uh the first one uh the India trip
0: yeah the India trip um I think the the first the first thing that comes to mind when I think about the India trip was those pictures I saw <laughs> yeah I was yeah. wearing like the the thing and to me honestly when I first heard about the India trip I just looked at those pictures i'm like all right whatever and yeah, then I, I just, just didn't true. care i, I literally <laughs> did not care I'm <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah it's whatever but uh, upon doing research like we found out that man this is, it, it goes deeper than pictures
1: yeah it goes deeper um uh, well the gist of it is that uh the his government justin trudeau uh, invited a controversial uh figure a controversial indian figure who's a separatist in in india and uh He kind of is a criminal. He tried to kill a politician, an Indian politician. So uh, that didn't go quite well. But the thing is, uh, as soon as Trudeau found out, they uh, rescinded his invitation. But still, you know, nothing dies. The the Internet lives forever. (laughs) You know, well, yeah, that 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 was it, you know.
0: And that's that's it for ethics. Thank you. Now, there's uh, even actually at the beginning of his, uh, of his, of his, of him being prime minister, there was an ethics investigation because he took it, he went to the private island of the, of the uh, Aga Khan, uh, Aga Khan the fourth, Aga Khan the fourth, I believe. He went to his private island, took his private jets, and it's 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 only important because the Aga Khan Foundation itself requ- um, asked money money from the government, you yep. know, in terms of donations, right? So, uh, the ethics commissioner Mary Dawson did an inquiry on this. and then found that Justin Trudeau broke four pro- 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 provisions in the conflict of interest uh, statute, yep. and he's the first ever prime minister to break federal statutes, which is very i don't know if it's surprising to hear or not but i think in terms of severity it's not really in like it's not it's not it's not much criminal severity because i i don't I, I don't know if he got a fine or anything but he's obviously not in jail but it was just more pol- it's just more political ammo for the yeah, yeah. conservatives to use
1: yeah it's you know it's it's not something to be taken lightly for sure mm-hmm.
0: um yeah he's uh
1: he's got a problem with ethics you know (laughs) (laughs) clearly (laughs) yeah well
0: I think it's a bigger issue because he's he's the way he's he's set up is or the image he's he's portrayed is like he's holier than thou and above reproach (laughs) and you have these things come out and these investigations happen and then you're like "Eh, what's going on you know what's going on
1: yeah yeah well uh yeah just quickly another uh, broken promise and this this goes to the whole sen- to the senate reform as well is that he uh, promised an electoral reform in uh, 2015 so he, that was one of his campaign promise you know so yeah. the the promise is that uh, like the 2015 election will be the the last first past past the post system uh, election to be conducted but mm-hmm. the, the thing is it, the next election will be the same thing did he hasn't done anything and uh the, what his uh reason has been is that the, that there's a lack of uh consensus so that will uh i think the most likely uh, the, the the conservatives and the ndp will use that against him but uh the thing is, he's been—he hasn't been bad in in uh, like taking like doing what he said he was going to do. There's this site uh, called Trudeau Meter. That, Trudeau meter. Yeah, it's just Trudeau Meter. Uh, dot. Yeah, uh, just Google Trudeau Meter. So it's it basically tracks all these promises and uh, which ones are achieved, which ones are broken, which ones are. In progress, and which ones are started. So, uh,
0: achieved are and it's ad- nonpartisan. Which and it's is nonpartisan. It's
1: <laughs> you know, it's coming from um, you know trusted sources, trusted sources, <laughs> an independent group. You know, yeah. But well, well, you never know. But the thing is, uh, he's arch, he's achieve, uh, achieved, he's achieved forty-two percent of uh, his promises. So that's ninety-seven out of two thousand I mean two hundred and thirty one. Uh, fifty-seven are in progress. So that's like twenty five percent. Yeah. He has not started the uh, fourteen and he's broken nineteen. So uh let me give you an example of uh of some of uh promise that is broken. He said that the the federal debt debt to GDP ratio would 20, uh, 2015 2016 would be uh, down to around 31% but that hasn't been the case uh right now it's at around i think 32 32, 32. yeah and he, well there's he said well that's the on the economy so there's all the the, the debt and mm-hmm. uh the deficits you know that he's he's not really been achieving so um he, the thing is uh on on the family side and the uh, issues such as childcare care or uh, parental leave is he's, he's been achieving what he set out to do mm-hmm. but um
0: yeah so in terms of ethics i think we have one more bombshell
1: yeah one more it's just a small affair but uh, <laughs> it's relevant so the snc lavlin affair
0: SNC Lavalin, for those who don't know, it's a Quebec based uh, company that uh, basically does a ins- uh, construction job around the world. And what has happened is that uh, there's been. Um, so at first, it was allegations that SNC Lavalin was uh, bribing Libyan officials during the, uh, the Gaddafi basically be, uh, getting all these contracts in yeah. libya in exchange for some sometimes even helping uh libyan officials uh, flee the country and it's pretty it's pretty crazy how the story uh broke loose it was uh, a canadian was apprehended at the mexico border <laughs> and apparently they i think she was trying to help a Trying to help a Libyan fish, I don't know something, something crazy like that. And then, uh, more re- more research happened, and a lot of high level SNC lavalin employees are fe- effectively reached out to the media, saying, "Man, we have corrupt individuals within our organization. Mm-hmm. You know, bribing of uh, uh, t- officials in Northern Africa, yep. even Bangladesh even in Bangladesh, to get all these uh, lucrative contracts, and even." SSC uh, Lavin is is known very well in the Quebec area because yeah. also they've they've built stuff like I think the Stade and Peak or et cetera. They're very reput- reputable company. So, yeah, it's a big company for sure. So like when this story uh, uh, first broke, they were the R- RCMP officially launched an investigation. I believe it was in twenty. 20- 2015 they first laid charges against snc Lavelin, the snc Lavalin group incorporation and then snc Lavalin international so both of them they're they there were charges under the corruption and foreign public uh, officials act and the main I, I guess the main thing that ties justin trudeau into this is that uh basically the snc Lavelin wanted to have uh, a deferred prosecution agreement so uh, basically they would, they would they wouldn't have to um how do you say this they wouldn't have to uh, let's say agree to wrongdoing and then that was important because they wouldn't if they had a deferred pr- prosecution agreement then they wouldn't be out, out of they could still officially bid on contracts so if they did were indeed found found guilty then they wouldn't they couldn't been on contracts for another ten years. Yeah. Which is a very big problem because as I said, um Canadian, Canadian officials in the House of Commons are all are all MPs and they do answer to a constituent. And yeah. Justin Trudeau's constituents is in Papineau, which is in Quebec. Yeah. So there is there was a certain there was there could have been a job loss there. So uh so basically moving on to the if their deferred prosecution agreement for S S C Lavellin was denied, and then the only person that could reverse that uh, that that the uh, that ruling would be the attorney general. Yeah. And the attorney general is, in fact, what she does is basically makes sure that there is no there's there shouldn't be no political interference in terms of the judicial mm-hmm. system, and. No influences, right? So at the time, the attorney general was Jody Wilson Raybould, yeah, and she had um, she had said, like in in the in the hearing, that she was you know she was pressured by the Trudeau government to overturn the ruling, and then after you have the Jerry Butts, which is the yeah Gerald Butts, yeah, who's uh, who's was his chief of staff at the time, right? advisor I'm
1: not sure if it's chief of staff but he's one of his top was one of his top advisor
0: at the time he came he came in and said that uh, they weren't they weren't pressuring her they were just letting her know the impact (laughs) we just told her you know (laughs) if you don't do this something will happen Mm -hmm.
1: it won't come from us though (laughs) yeah but yeah and it's worth mentioning that uh, SSC Lavlin is one of the one of the the biggest uh, campaign contributors to uh, the Liberal Party, so it's mm-hmm. the, the the company itself is quite uh, connected with the Liberal Party, and um, they've been lobbying for the the third prosecution since uh, twenty fifteen, and that was well, that was their chance since the Liberal Party came into power. So, yeah, and one of the biggest, well. Among the big big issues in this uh, in this whole affair is the fact that uh, Jody Wilson-Raybould, mm-hmm. who was the the Attorney General at the time, she uh, she became known as the first Indigenous Canadian uh, to hold the to hold the the, the position of uh, Attorney General. So so at the same time, the the issue was about the. Uh, the independence of the judiciary but also as about a uh like it had the feminist side and indigenous side of it you know and as you may know justin trudeau is the feminist prime minister mm-hmm. so that was feminist in chief he, exactly so that was that that was basically yeah that was basically one of uh the the bigger hits that he took is fact that he's brand he brands himself as the feminist prime minister the first feminist prime minister but yet um uh, he's been quite dismissing of the those women in his uh like in his government and uh yeah that was
0: and effectively basically even caught more fire because he ex- uh basically he kicked out uh jody wilson raybould and Jane Philpot from the well Jane Philpot she he resigned she resigned yeah. as treasurer at the as uh, president of treasury board but he effectively expelled both of them from the liberal caucus yeah which even caught more fire because it's like why are you expelling this woman these women especially Jodie Wilson, Wilson which which she has you know she has made history in terms of her role right exactly so he's like why are you expelling them from your caucus are you scared or so and so so in terms of uh politics he took a bit hit a big hit and surprisingly what's funny is that he has a lower approval rating than donald trump <laughs> so according to the ipsos poll so he yeah. donald trump's at 43 justin trudeau's at 40 oh my god that's tough <laughs> you know
1: yeah you know you are you're, it's not good when trump has a better <laughs> approval rating than you <laughs> yeah but uh yeah, and uh, the the thing is, this scandal was it's so huge because it affects so many uh like issues. It like the economics, mm-hmm. as you've talked about, you know, well S SS- S N C Lavellin, which is based in uh, Quebec, employs thirty four hundred people. Yeah, you know, so those jobs were at risk, and you know Trudeau's from Quebec, so. he
0: you know, it affects a lot of uh, his
1: constituents and his base, you know. Mm-hmm. So, so it does,
0: it definitely it, it doesn't look and it's been, I think it's been uh, downplayed, obviously, by the liberals because you don't want this to be at the forefront going into the next election. But yeah. it can be understated. This is, I think, the second time that we've seen a like an ethics issue involving Justin Trudeau and for yeah. a guy who's give the impression that his he would have the most ethical you know time as prime minister an open uh, yeah
1: like an open administration and,
0: it's been you know. it, it, it hasn't lived up to that but I think I could definitely command him in letting uh, Jody Wilson-Raybould uh, testify yeah because uh, yeah, I think he didn't have to do that knowing no. the political backlash he would get from her testimony but uh, I think yeah that's but imagine the, if he said no yeah exactly yeah. so i think he waited back i think forth. that's
1: just a political move to be yeah, honest imagine if trudeau said you're not testifying
0: mm-hmm. so he has the it would have him look like you have something to hide but clearly you do have something to hide regardless so yeah. i think he just weighed the pros and cons and and move forward yeah yeah well
1: you know on the, eco- the economy uh the economic side of it is like trudeau at the time was also facing some uh, heat from coming from alberta since uh like alberta has been doing quite badly recently in, in terms of economics so uh there uh, alberta is known to be all dependent so when the oil is doing well alberta does well mm-hmm. and uh, when it's doing bad alberta does bad so but the thing is uh Recently, oil hasn't been doing that bad, but the problem is that there aren't enough pipelines to uh, to transport oil coming from Alberta to go to other markets, so going especially to the U.S. Mm-hmm. and uh, that's why you have a uh, you have this uh, issue with the pipeline, the key- Keystone Pipeline, I believe, you know, and uh, so at the time Trudeau wanted to the economics to be back on his side, you know, so yeah. Alberta at this time at, at that time had a seven percent unemployment rate I believe which mm-hmm. is quite high for 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 a rich province such as Alberta you know so so you can see the desperation come coming from his
0: side for mm-hmm. sure and uh, yeah enough and, so- and of sort also it has then it has um, environmental implica- implications to it because this Trudeau also, the li- especially the liberal platform is it's like it has it has provisions for the environment and I think one of the main recently the the a lot of backlash has come from the carbon tax effectively being put on uh, I think it Ontario and two other provinces
1: it's, it's federal it's federal it's it's just Ontario and those provinces are just going. No no, 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 no,
0: no, because because Justin Trudeau, effectively, what the what the carbon tax does is he, there was a deadline in terms of you setting your own cap system on yeah on carb on carbon, and then the the Ontario and two other provinces they opted opted out of it completely, so effectively they were left with the carb. They put a, there was a there was a carbon tax put on them because then they, they didn't set their own their own uh, cap system. So yeah. I think that's that has gotten the conservatives have used this as a weapon because, effectively, when you have obviously a carbon tax, then gas prices go high in terms yeah. of because now you have to pay for um, you have to pay extra for um, what the company is effectively putting out, right? So yeah. I think that's another weapon that's been used. Even though the tensions of you know helping the uh, the environment has been there, especially when he attended the paris accord uh uh paris
1: one summit yeah yeah. something
0: like that but i think there's also been some backlash there and when it comes to the environment that it's whatever regardless of whatever you want to do it will never be free like it's it's always somebody's always gonna have to pay and that's what I learned. I learned from like from a really long time ago because I'm like these. There's these. Um, externalities. There's, yeah. There's these light bulbs. Like you can buy. So you can buy the regular light bulbs. Cost, cost you two dollars. Yeah. Or you could buy the eco-friendly light bulbs. Cost you like ten dollars yeah. for two. So I think that's when you when you come to the realization that you have you're gonna have to pay more to take care of the environment. Then we can all agree on that. Then I think we can move forward and effectively put in a plan and I don't think the I think the conservatives have an opportunity to do that but I don't I don't see the yeah, they of a plan. They haven't jumped on that
1: train yet. So yeah. well the the pipeline that I was that I was talking to uh it's not Keystone, it's uh Trans Mountain. So it's the Trans Mountain expansion. So it's it's currently under review in in, in the courts. So but the thing is on the environment, so Justin Trudeau has been able to implement a carbon tax federally, mm-hmm. so which means that uh, well, there's a price on carbon. So if it, companies and small businesses have to pay a certain price uh, mm-hmm. per uh, amount of carbon that's emitted. Mm-hmm. And, and what atmosphere. was
0: in place? What was in place before the carbon tax was a uh, cap and trade. Yeah. So basically, with cap and trade these businesses would have a cap of of, uh, of uh, carbon emissions they could have. Mm-hmm. And let's say you stay under that cap. I, I don't know how. Uh, doesn't matter how let's much. Say 5%. You, you stay under that cap, then you can effectively sell that cap to another to company, another comp- and they could rise their emissions. I don't know about how... Effective that system, that system is, but that's what that's what what, what was in place before, and the liberal yeah, government yeah. definitely wanted to
1: overtake. Yeah, that. the well, one of the criticism of a uh, cap and trade is that it's it's a lot hard harder to administer compared to uh, just a simple tax. So you, I think even Quebec has uh, a cap and trade initiative that involves Quebec and uh, California, if mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken. So. It, yeah, it's the same thing you said. So if you're a company and let's say you have a, you, instead of reaching hundred percent of your cap, you reach the ninety five percent of the emissions that you're supposed to emit. You, what you do is that you can trade that five percent to another company. They pay mm-hmm. you for for that. But it's, it's a lot more. Uh, like there's more admin more administration for that. You know. It, yeah. Whereas a simple mm-hmm. tax, everybody knows that. I'm admitting. If I'm emitting this amount of uh, car- carbon in the air, I have to pay this amount of money. It's just quite simple, but um, yeah, I don't. Th- so what I want to to say was that, that Trudeau's kind of uh, he's trying to balance, trying to balance how ex- expanding the the pipelines while at the same time uh, acting on climate. So that that's getting heat from both sides. So the conservatives, you know, so you have a uh, Doug Ford in Ontario who doesn't like the, the, the carbon, carbon tax. tax at all. He'll fight it in the courts and, uh, he'll be on TV every day talking about the carbon tax. And on the left side, you'll have, a uh, uh, environmental activists who will say Indig- why indigenous people and indigenous people exactly saying, why are you uh, building these, these pipelines when we we have, uh, a climate crisis on our hand you know so it's quite it's not the the place to be if you're 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 leading because you don't have the the support of anybody but uh, we'll see how how that works out for him in, in the elections
0: Did we have anything else to touch on for Justin Trudeau um I think
1: that's mostly it well yeah two more two more. more maybe three more yeah so uh another scandal it wasn't too big but it's just uh, another thing that happened was the cash for access oh, scandal really. was what happened was uh, the liberal party had a fundraiser you know at the home of a wealthy business executive and they asked guests to pay uh, fifteen hundred dollars so a thousand five hundred dollars mm-hmm. to get access and, uh, naturally the guests would be wealthy people, you know? So the fact, the thing is, if you, if you pay those fees, you get time to, to speak with the, the, the top officials of the party. So I think the, the, the finance minister, Bill Morneau was, was there as well. I met him once,
0: Well. Bill Morneau. He's a really tall guy. Oh. A really, really tall guy. I opened the door for him one time, uh downtown toronto i think because i think it was my brother's daycare he was just i don't know what type of when was that when was that 2015 2015 2016 yeah around there yeah that guy's really tall cool guy really noted <laughs> tall guy no, no, no.
1: yeah so obviously that was that was a scandal because that's uh, people were calling that a, a form of corruption you know and uh some kind of, you know, unethical behavior. Mm-hmm. Well, I I agree for sure. I don't know if it you can you can say that it's quote unquote corruption, but that's basically that's literally There's some unethical. Definitely some for sure.
0: ethics implications.
1: Yeah, there, there are. There are for sure.
0: I think you see the same thing south of the border when you have Donald Trump having people at the, his uh, at Mar-a-Lago. Yeah. And I think a lot of people pounce on that and say, "Well, that's that's not fair." That's unethical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah th- well, let's not get
1: into Trump's mm-hmm. ethics. <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, yeah. Another
1: thing was uh, the uh, groping allegation. So, oh, yeah, uh, there was an allegation w- back when the whole Me Too thing was happening. You know, there's there were stories left and right about wrongdoings and <laughs> uh, sexual harassment. So there was one that surfaced. Uh, about Justin Trudeau uh, saying that uh, alleging that 18 years ago I'm not sure if not, now it's 19 years ago but around that time uh, he groped a young reporter at some music festival so uh, that was that was not good for him especially him once again being the feminist prime minister you know so well he said, on his side, he said that he's confident, quote, I'm confident that I did not act inappropriately. But I think the essence of this is that people can experience interaction differently. So, I don't know what to make of that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but he, he basically denied the whole thing. That's, but I don't know if it's like... Know,
0: ben, that's a." <clears throat> Because it's kind of where we, same thing, even recently with Joe Biden, you see the thing where people are talking about their intentions versus the way it was received versus the experience. So you basically effectively have three pillars of an interaction. Yeah. So I think at the end of the day, someone could have a different, let's say a different experience with what your intentions were. Yeah. But regardless, you know, they were, they were uncomfortable. So I think in this case, you just say, my bad. (laughs) And you keep it moving. That's, that's, that's for these minor cases. (laughs) Minor in terms of incredible severity, you know, from the scale of, from scale of one to 10, this is like, yeah. But the thing
1: is, the, the Trito one, we don't know exactly what happened. She said that, uh, she was, groped we don't know to how you know so comparing it to the biden one it's it's a bit weird it's a bit uh misplaced because the biden one is just the guy makes everyone uncomfortable but you can see that i don't know if it's everyone i think you've have you seen that compilation of uh like yeah but the thing the thing is these with hugging these, and whatever
0: yeah but the thing is th- with that is how is it received that's, that's yeah that's how the is argument. it received but the- so unless somebody tells you how they re- they received mm-hmm. it then you effectively don't know because in some cases it mm-hmm. could it was it was horribly received from from these women and in other cases people are like i needed him what, to come yeah because i need him to comfort me mm-hmm. so i think it's all in the way and what this woman is saying is that she she felt as if he was basically invading her uh, her, her space, space and yeah. harassing him. So then yeah. again with that, I always found it it's it's only iffy because you we weren't nobody's there. So at the end you have to it's what do you what do you do? What he do said, you, she said. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Well, I'm back to the well. Let's say for the Biden, in, in my opinion, is that. He's an, uh, he's an uncomfortable guy, uncomfortable guy to be around. But he, you can see that he's not crossing a clear line. You know, it's not as if he's harassing someone, but mm-hmm. it's just he's making people uncomfortable. You know, so I'm not sure if that was the same case for Trudeau. If she, if if you had a video of a. Uh, what happened you would it's say
0: definitely no pattern of behavior you, that we you see
1: yeah yeah there's no pattern of behavior sh- sure and i'm not sure if you if you had the video you would say uh this is over the line or this is just just uncomfortable you know well, well, there
0: was a video of him groping that woman it, of the interaction
1: so okay. you know it's, for example in the case of joe biden you you've had videos you mm-hmm. you've seen you can see uh what these women are talking about you know when he's like Blowing their ear or whatever, I don't know, you know, you, you can see this is definitely uncomfortable, and mm. but you're it's hard to say this is over the line or this is sexual harassment, you know, but yeah, so and uh, one last thing is uh, the settlement with uh, Omar Kader, mm. so <clears throat> yeah, so Omar Kader was a uh, form is. Is a former child soldier uh, who was detained at Guantanamo Bay. Um, uh, well, the government. Which
0: Obama promised to close a while ago. By the way,
1: well, you know, <laughs> politicians. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. So the thing is, Trudeau's government decided to settle uh, for $10.5 million with, uh with the guy instead of waiting for the entire case to go through uh, like to go in the courts you know so a lot of people disapproved in according to a poll 50 59 percent of Canadians disapproved of, of the decision so it was one of the his most uh, uh, controversial decisions for sure and he said that it's not because uh, he, he didn't settle because he wanted it Just to go away, he said that he settled because uh, Canada, you know, acted uh, inappropriately in terms of uh, the prosecution of uh, Omar Carter Mm -hmm. and uh, how he was treated uh, south of the border. So that that was controversial. uh, And uh, for me, I don't think, well, I don't think it was necessary for him to, you know, to politicize that entire thing because he could have just waited for the court to decide, even if the settlement was going to be higher politically has, as the prime minister, I think if he was thinking politically, I'm not saying, uh, it's not right now. I'm not talking about ethics, but just politically, I think it would have been a better move to just wait for the courts to rule. Yeah. Because in that case, he could say it's not my, you know, it didn't happen under my watch. And, uh, I'm, I don't control the courts, you know, the mm-hmm. courts decided, so it's out of my hands and that would have just been a smooth ride for
0: mm-hmm. him. I think it's very important the fact that she you said you're not speaking ethically, ethically. Because ethically, then we get into another discussion of yeah. what is right. Yeah. What was yeah. right to doing that? And I don't know, what would you say was right to doing that? I
1: don't know, man. It was, it was one of those uh, like hard cases. Yeah. Because
0: <clears throat> maybe i think maybe uh, he probably since justin trudeau you know he's mr ethics he probably felt compelled to remedy the situation and he did regardless of the political cost. so
1: yeah but the problem is so so his critics were what they said was that uh the problem is that he didn't trust the canadian system to to act accordingly so to to just remedy to that problem so letting that go to the courts and having the courts des- decide what's going to happen, what the settlement is going to be, if there is ever going to be one. So in that case there, you can you can make an argument that he should have trusted the, the system. Yeah, But uh, he said that he knew that the Canadian government at the time was wrong. So that's why he didn't want a higher settlement coming from the courts. So he tried. He just... Decided to have a lower settlement and uh, not risk a higher se- settlement. You know, so acting in the interest of Canadians. So, but I don't know. I think I don't even know more criticism
0: also came because on top of that, like Omar, I'm not sure if he's a Canadian citizen. Yeah, probably not. But yeah, he does. He, is. Live, he, he is. is. Yeah. So he does live in Canada. So a lot of more people are like, man, what's going on here? Yeah. On top yeah. of the settlement, he's a Canadian citizen. That's.
1: Yeah. If, uh, once again, as a political move, I think it was a, a bad political move because it brought the attention of uh, of the case to like a national. To a lot of na-
0: people, forgot like because Armand yeah, yeah. was living in yeah, he was living uh, here. Yeah, we didn't.
1: Yeah, a lot of people didn't think about him. He yeah. wasn't even on top of their heads, you know. So yeah. It, yeah, I don't think it was it was a wise political move, but ethically, I've, I'm not sure. I don't know.
0: So what would you uh, rate Justin Trudeau as a prime minister let's say over these three and a half three three and a half years or so?
1: Uh, I'll give him like a B something. It's a it's a mixed bag for sure mm-hmm. uh, the economy is doing pretty good so the inf- inflation is not is not that high it's like it's been stable. The economy is doing good. Yeah. I would say that and then um he's been acting on uh, he's had good policies so namely he's been uh, the the climate action I think that that that's important and uh, also just bringing uh, women's issues to to atten- to the attention of Canadians I think that's that's a that's a big win for sure but he needs to get his ethics right he needs to uh be more sharp and just uh you know don't get involved in these stupid things stupid affairs you know but the thing is you know one of the issues that's happening in in canada is that for example the opposition so if you have conservatives on a thing that's pretty like an issue that's that has a lot of attention such as climate change conservatives are i would say they are blowing it until now, well, they're trying to fix it. Andrew Shearer promised to uh, have a the climate plan. platform by yeah. the end of June, but in the past years, they've just been blowing it. And I think that would be a, like that would be good, if the the conservatives would say, uh, okay, would give them young people, we're going to fix the climate. This is our plan. Points. You know,
0: so it would so give them so much political points. If exactly. Opposite. I Think a lot of people. Especially, it always happens in in Canadian elections. Yeah, somebody, who are you voting for? I don't know. And mm-hmm. a lot of this is you can get these, because I don't think in terms of having many ideologues or whatever, I think a lot of Canadians are willing to switch yeah. which party they're, they're going to vote for just on single issues. So if you can address something such as climate change, yeah. you score a lot of political points as a party. Yeah, I think,
1: honestly, I think if the conservatives are going to come up with a sensible plan to address climate change in in this election in this upcoming election they really have a chance to win especially now because they're leading in the polls mm-hmm. but um you never
0: know we, the yeah, thing climate is that there's always kicked down the road
1: yeah the, the, i would say the conservatives are split down between the the populist and you know the mm-hmm. conservative the traditional conservatives so you have sheer trying to balance this this like the fact that you have a Ford who wants you know i don't want this action i don't want any anything done on on this front on the front of uh like climate and then you have this more these more sensible uh conservatives who who think that okay you know we have the science you know that says that this is a big issue, you mm-hmm. know. We have to, we have to act reasonably in terms of uh, how how much we can spend, how much we can invest in this. So, if conservatives can be uh, can be sensible, I think on climate, they they might win the the upcoming election. But I don't know. I can't guarantee. It you to be seen. Be. What about you? How do you think of? What do you think of uh, Jason Trudeau's time?
0: In conclusion, in terms of uh, helping helping the low income people, he's done a his buddy's done a very good job. with the child benefits and uh, paid and longer paid leave, I think he's done a even not even only the low income people, but just the middle class itself. He's mm-hmm. done a he's done a great job, and he's ans- he's definitely answered that call but for people who who let's say are, are look, middle class and yeah or even just simply people that that have that could never really vote liberal and need uh, any ex- need an excuse not to vote liberal i think the ethics kind of clouds some of the good stuff he's done because yeah. when you have a case like SN lavalin that comes to comes to the forefront for the or let's say even for for middle class people, they look at it. like, "Man, this guy just—he's just—he's in, in the pocket of a large corporation, yeah. regardless of looking at the fact that it would, even though it's not ethical, he's trying to save jobs within his district. So it's always, it's it's always, uh, especially with Justin Trudeau. It's like he he does good, but he's also he's also a lot of his his eth- his ethics have clouded the good that he's done. And on the other hand, he's also broken." the promise of you know balancing the budget and having a 1 billion surplus by now and mm-hmm. for people who look who, who look more long term rather than their current situation yeah it's hard to again vote for have yeah, to be optimistic about him and vote again for him when you you think realistically man at some point you're gonna have to to you know uh, have a lower build uh, have a lower deficit so mm-hmm. um I don't know. For me, it's probably uh, I would give it probably a C plus B minus 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 <laughs> somewhere somewhere around there. And I think for as can, Canadians are never happy. They're always <laughs> they're always and they're always uh, when it comes to an election, they'll just move on. they it's more of a anti vote than a vote a lot yeah. of times. So I think that's that's might be what we what we see in the next election. Same way we saw in the in the premier election in Ontario mm-hmm. kind of have an anti-vote rather than a vote mm-hmm. but I don't know man Canadian politics
1: well I guess we'll see uh, the elections are approach- approaching mm-hmm. really fast so yeah that's it for this episode
0: thank you for tuning in this is our second episode any the- last messages
1: Uh, don't miss the next episode it's gonna be fun for sure all right. Thank you. And uh, goodbye and good night. Goodbye.